Hey, let's pray real quick as we dive into the Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's uh, awesome to be here, God, um, amongst other Christians. God, we're here um, to gather as your, your body. We are your bride. We're the church. And God, um, I know that there's some of us here maybe that aren't Christians, but God, for most of us, we are. We're followers of you. And Lord, we come here on Wednesdays um, not merely because it's some kind of social club. Father, I pray it would never become that. Lord, we're here to worship you, to make your name great. God, you're the famous one. You created us. And uh, God, so often um, we need reminded of that. We are so tempted to worship your creation, and we um, kind of reject you as creator. And so God, even tonight, for right now, just for a little bit of time, um, would we enjoy each other's company tonight as we're at Oasis, but God, would we make much of you? I pray that we would remember um, who you are, what you've done for us, the fact that you and you alone gave us life and have given us all things. And so, God, we rejoice in you for that. God, I pray that um, we'd focus, God, um, help us to be attentive, help us to not be a distraction to those around us, help us to dial in and um, just focus on what you have to say to us tonight. God, it's been a great year. We're thankful for all that you've done in our lives this year. God, some of us have made, um, I guess you'd say, leaps and bounds uh, and just spiritual, spiritual growth, and we're more mature and we're more in love with you and uh, God, we're still sinful and imperfect, but we're, um, we're more aware of our sinfulness and your holiness and the cross that bridges the gap. So, um, yeah, Lord, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, last oasis. Again, thanks for being here tonight. Hey, here's the thing. Um, I want to talk to you just briefly tonight about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christian. Some of you right away will think like, uh, Brad, didn't you just say this is the last oasis? And isn't that kind of something that we should know by now? Isn't that something we should maybe talk about uh, the, the first week or the first couple of weeks? Why are we ending on this? Um, what does it mean to be a Christian? And that's true. But here's kind of the ironic part. This is what I, I'm trying to say. In our society, at least in America, but really almost everywhere, when I say... Um, I want to talk about what it means to be a Christian. That can mean almost anything because the Bible nowhere clearly defines what that term means. And so what you have in our world is people on both sides of the political spectrum, conservatives, liberals, that would say, I'm a Christian. I absolutely love Christ. I understand Christianity. But they're on both sides of any political view, on, on every moral or ethical issue, we went through that ethics series in January, and there are Christians that would say, I am sold out as a Christian on both sides of each of those views. Every social issue, you guys, in every war fought in our history, there have been men and, I suppose, women on both sides of the battlefield fighting each other in the name of this is my cause as a Christian. I'm fighting for Christ. I'm, I'm fighting for whatever. But on both sides, there's been Christians. And it's really hard. You can go to college next year, and maybe, you have, maybe you'll have a, a college roommate that, is, that says they're a Christian that lives a radically different life than you, and one that maybe is biblical, maybe it's not. But it's hard because the Bible, here's the, here's the case. Maybe this is news to you. The Bible only uses the term Christian three times. Now, that works for some other things too. The Bible never 
uses the word trinity, but we, we pick up the concept of the teaching of um, our, our God is a Trinitarian God, very clearly. But still, the Bible only uses the term Christian three times, and from what we can tell from those three uses in Scripture, it was primarily used by outsiders, by people that were not followers of Jesus, probably as a derogatory term for those that were a part of the faith, that followed Jesus. In fact, um, the first time it's used is Acts eleven twenty six, and it says the disciples, that was what they were originally called, right? Jesus had 12 what? 12 disciples. The disciples were called Christians, it says first, to Antioch. Um, and so, at one point, I think Peter uses the term Christian, that's one of the three t- times, but by and large, it was not something that they named themselves. Now, that's Christian is common language today. It's not wrong for us to use that. That's not where I'm going tonight. But my point is, um, this sounds maybe even similar to what Ryan talked about two weeks ago, being a fan or a follower. But you say the word Christian, and all I'm saying is that can mean almost anything to almost anybody because the Bible does not say this is the definition of a Christian. On the other hand, disciple, you guys, the word disciple or disciples is used over 300 times in Scripture. Three times or 300 times. And so we know what disciple means. It's very easy to define what a disciple is. You guys know what a disciple is. What's a disciple? A disciple is essentially kind of anybody that's following somebody else, right, that's a student of somebody else. So a disciple of Jesus was anyone that followed Jesus but didn't just follow them. The disciples did a whole lot more than that. They were learning from Jesus how to live life, how to be like him. Any one of you that is right now in algebra, geometry, trigonometry, you are a disciple of your teacher. You go to school, but you're learning from your teacher how to do algebra, how to do trig, how to do geometry. You're not just going to school. That te- you want to become like that teacher so that you can get a good grade. You want the knowledge that that teacher has. And so when you're a disciple, the disciples of Jesus, it was it was very clear what their mission was. And so they were learning from him um, how to be like him. Now, obviously, they couldn't do everything Jesus did. Jesus was God. They weren't God, so they couldn't, they couldn't not sin. But still, we know what a disciple is. So here's the thing, just real quick tonight. I don't have a lot of time. I want to ask you not necessarily, are you a disciple? You know that whether you're, when you're in here tonight, you know whether you would say that that's you or not. But Rather, I want to ask you the question, will you fight to be a disciple? This is the last oasis um, for at least a couple weeks. We've got a couple summer oasis, but for some of you, you get done with school, and you're going to go into the summer, you're going to have a lot of time hanging out with friends, you're maybe bored, there's no school, Um, maybe there'll be a lot of decisions to make, and you're going to have to choose between making a wise decision or a very dumb, foolish, stupid decision. And so my question is, as you go off to college, will you fight to be a disciple. Do you know what that means? Will you fight for the good news that's found in Jesus? Will you let that define you? Do you know what that really means? Do you know the basic content, the message of the gospel? And Paul tells Timothy three times in the New Testament letters, he writes to Timothy, to fight the good fight of the faith, which means like not being angry and aggressive at people or whatever, but just fighting with love. I mean, fighting to believe what you know you believe and what they believe. So here's my main premise tonight. 
Let me write this down. This isn't rocket science, but here's my main premise tonight. That disciple, if you're a disciple, if you're a disciple of Jesus, that disciple is an identity. You being a disciple is an identity. Everything else is a role. If, if you are a student, if you're an employer, if you're a baseball player, volleyball player, you sing in show choir, that's a role. At some point, everything else you do, you will stop doing. You will stop being a student. You will stop playing baseball. You're even a son or a daughter of your parents, but someday you'll die. But you know what? In heaven, you're still going to be a disciple of Jesus if you're one right now. And so I want you to think about how disciples should define you. It's part of your identity that everything else is a role. You're a disciple first and everything else or anything else second. And so I want to give you three aspects um, that make up a disciple's identity. Three aspects that make up a a disciple's identity. These aren't these aren't pro- super profound, but three things, these are all found in the Great Commission. So the first one is this. You guys, this is a reminder. This is hopefully helpful stuff that's foundational stuff for you to know as a Christian, as a disciple. It's not that I can't. We can't. You can still use that term. But. So here's it. First of all, um, number one is this, rational. Now, the first aspect to a disciple's identity is rational. You know what that means? That means you use reason that you can think and that you need to think, that you're a learner. I want you to know that as a disciple of Jesus, there's content to the gospel. There's content to being a disciple. There are facts to know. Now, fundamentally, I want you to know that discipleship is not fundamentally how you perform. I hope you've picked that up this year. Fundamentally, it is not how you perform, but rather who you are. And a whole lot of Christians get this backwards. They start with, well, I don't know, I used to call myself a Christian, but because you're not performing or you're not doing certain behaviors, you start to doubt or you're riddled with guilt and you start to think, well, maybe I'm not a Christian because I keep performing badly. Fundamentally, it's not how you perform. It starts with who you are. Here's just some of the content to know, just little sound bites of the point of the gospel. One of them is this. I, just, I, I think I read this in a book recently. This is awesome. We are imperfect people clinging to a perfect Christ being perfected by the Spirit. We are imperfect people. That's fundamental to know, that you will never reach a point of perfection in this life. Now, that doesn't mean you should just give up. That's the effects of sin. We're clinging to a perfect Christ who is perfect in our place, and we're being perfected by the Spirit. Again, you won't reach the state of perfection, at least not in this life, but how do you progress spiritually? You depend on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. I hope you know that the gospel, again, and we've said this throughout the year, that the gospel is good news, meaning it was an event that happened in history. It's not necessarily good advice. So many of you, by default, slip into, oh, well, that's just religious, or I go to Oasis, but I'm not religious. Or you think it's about religion. It's not about doing a list of moral codes, checking the list. That comes... But I hope you understand that is not fundamentally it. That's not what it's all about. Here's another, this is a great little nutshell. The, news, the wonderful news of the gospel, you guys, is that Jesus frees us, frees you from trying to impress God and from trying to impress others because He has impressed God on our behalf. I think that's, a, that's an awesome nutshell of the gospel in a nutshell, that He was perfect in our place. So you're always trying to like, oh, I, need to, I, need to, I know I need to do better. God's not happy with me. 
know that Jesus, if, when God looks at you, if you're in Christ, he sees Christ. He sees the perfection of Christ. So, the rational side, you need to know that. You're a learner. Secondly, um, relational. The second aspect to a disciple's identity is that you're relational. As a disciple, you are part of a community. You are a part of the body of Christ. You're a member of the body of Christ. And you need to understand this. Some of you have come to Oasis all year long, and you have never, you're not a part of the body of Christ because you come for selfish reasons alone. You may become in deep, deep down in your heart, you may be act otherwise, but deep down, you're self-centered, you're narcissistic, you're, uh, you're super like individualistic. It's all about you. It's all about me, me, me. What, I come to Oasis because of what they can give me, because of I get food, I get all this stuff, it's all about me. You don't give anything because you're so centered on yourself. You guys, you're a part of the body of Christ. Part of the reason you come is that you're, you're part of this group. You all have this um, common unity around the fact that you're a Christian. And the fundamental other thing is you have a relationship with Jesus. The whole point, the whole thing that defines, I think, evangelicals more than well, mainline denominations, um, maybe Catholics, if I get to is you have a relationship with Jesus that should look like a relationship. I mean, notice some of you in here are Catholic. You come from a Catholic background. Some of you are, you totally have a relationship with Jesus and you're Catholic. But a lot of you, maybe you, you get caught up in the religious kind of stuff. Again, do you have a relationship with Jesus that's fundamental to a disciple's identity? Um, and then finally, number three is this, you're missional. You're missional, meaning you're a missionary. And this is maybe the harder, the, like one of the harder aspects, one of the harder things to do. That you as a Christian, you've been given a task. You've been given a mission we all have. So as you live, and you, again, this shouldn't be individualistic. We always make this just all about us by ourselves. As you live in community with the church, with the body of Christ, and as you carry the gospel, the content of a disciple, you build relationships, get this, with non-Christians, with other people. You hang out with non-believers. And eventually, as you get to know them, you share with them the good news of Christianity. Now again, some of you, you know that that's maybe dangerous because you go back to that old crowd that's not a believer, you're going to start, I don't know, you're going to start partying again because that's what they do. So be careful about that. Be careful about that seniors when you go to college. But I hope most of you go to public school, you have relationships with non-believers. You maybe invite them to Oasis. You're investing in their life. But you, you're a missionary. I'm a missionary. Every time I talk to my neighbors, I need to see that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to try to like um, convert them as some notch on my belt, but because I love them, because I care about their soul. So that needs to define us too. So real quick, um, here's the Great Commission. Some of you, you're seniors, you've heard this four years, and you've heard this your whole life. Some of the three most famous um, verses in the whole Bible says this, or just two of them, I guess, tonight. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the missional aspect. Go and make disciples, Jesus says. These are his last words before he leaves the earth. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know what baptism is? You know this. It's like the induction ceremony into you being a part of the church. When you're baptized, that's when it was your public declaration of becoming a Christian. So many of you guys were baptized in tribe. That was the moment you're like, I'm publicly declaring I'm a Jesus follower. And you're a part of the church. The word baptized means like literally to immerse. You're being immersed 
into the community of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's the relational aspect. And then he says, teach them, teach these disciples to obey everything I've commanded you, um, the rational. There's stuff to obey. There are, like, if Jesus is king of your life, if, if he's on the throne of your life and no, it's no longer you, you don't follow every little feeling you have, every little desire and whim and, oh, I feel like doing this, I feel like doing this. You start, you're no longer on the throne of your life if you're a Christian. doesn't mean you're not going to sin. At times you get that messed up, but so it's all right there. And it's huge. You guys, going into the summer, you need to be reminded of these three things. Um, I hope you come to Summer Oasis. I hope maybe for you, you have a certain struggle and you, it's not necessarily even the people in your life group, but you get together with one or two other Christian friends and you guys get together and just talk. I mean, you talk about deep stuff, about what you're dealing with. You do more than just, I don't know, talk about sports. Um, here's the thing. If Jesus would have stayed dead, like a lot of other followers of a lot of other religions or whatever died and stayed dead, then who would care? I mean, who would care if you're a disciple? No one would care. It wouldn't matter. We wouldn't even be talking about this right now. But he did stay dead. I mean, think about the fact that Jesus Christ, you guys, is fully alive right now, still in a body, a perfected body. He didn't become like some weird mist in the air like you think God maybe sometimes is. He's just not on earth. You guys, we worship a God that's fully alive, that's still in the flesh, perfected body. He knows what you're thinking and doing. He loves you tremendously. I hope you have, you talk to him, spend time with him, have a relationship with him. The wonderful news of the gospel is that Jesus frees us from trying to impress God because he's impressed God on our behalf. Um, Think about that. That sentence even, write that down, dwell on it. The fact that you don't have to worry so much about impressing other people because you are fully perfect in the sight of God. Um, So we're going to close with two songs and uh, Gabe and the band are going to come back up and uh, let me pray real quick. Father, um, this is... This is so basic, so simple, um, and yet, God, so often, um, we as high school students sometimes don't even know what we believe, and we go around telling people that we're Christians, um, but Father, I pray that um, the lives we live would be radically different to the world around us, that we would make community with other believers a priority. We would make being living on mission a priority, that we would know the gospel, that we would be able to share that with somebody else, not because we have to, God, but because you became poor so that we might become rich. Um, Lord, I pray that we would worship you with hearts full of gratitude for all that you've done for us. So, um, Lord, may we take this with us as we move into the summer. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.